How you guys doing? Good. It is wonderful to be able to join you here today uh, and join all the uh, mothers. Can I just have a, a, a show of hands? Who's a mother in the room? Who's a mother? There's quite a few mothers in the room. Great. Fantastic. It's wonderful to be here with you guys. Um, today, as Rochelle said, uh, my name's Joel. I am a performance poet is is sort of what I do these days. Uh, in the past, I've been at uh, Tabor College for the last um, eight years of study and about six years I've been there doing stuff with The Year in the Sun. Uh, Nathaniel was one of my students once. I tried to forget those times. Um, just kidding, Nate. Um, and for the last few years, I've been running here in the sun and then just finished up at the end of uh, the end of the year. And, and something that has sort of overtaken my life over the last uh, about two years has been uh, performance poetry uh, to the point where now it's it's actually what I do. So I finished up at Tabor and and full time now I uh, go and perform. Uh, I'm very heavily involved in the performance poetry scene in Melbourne. Um, so I don't do too many sort of Christian things too much. I'm, I'm mainly uh, amongst a whole bunch of very uh, different people within Melbourne. Um, and as part of that run, this thing called the Centre for Poetics and Justice, uh, which is a crew of us who uh, are poets uh, that sort of came together around this idea that surely there's um, there's got to be something larger to our poetry than just entertainment or than just um, our own careers or, or whatever, even than just creativity. Is there something that we can connect our creativity up to? And we all had this passion for justice. And so now it's sort of organically formed and there's this crew of about eight of us that go into schools and uh, juvenile justice centres and uh, Indigenous communities, refugee communities, running workshops showing basically showing young people that they do have a voice that can speak to the world um, and sort of using poetry as a form of self-articulation and understanding themselves and all that sort of stuff. So that's just a little bit about me. I, um, I was going to start with something different, but I thought I, I might actually start today um, with a poem and sort of the, how I want to shape today is not necessarily that it's going to be a, a sermon that will have one particular point that um, I'll drive home for the next half an hour, but rather um, I just want to share a few different poems with you and get you thinking sort of around those poems and whatever comes up for you within those poems. It's a bit of a self-learning, choose-your-own-adventure type talk, right, that we're going to engage with now. Um, so what I'd encourage you to do is as I share some of these poems, um, probably there's going to be some thoughts that will jump into your head. And there might even be some, just some feelings that come up, some senses of maybe resonance of, ah, oh, I love what he's saying, or, or even resistance of, I just want to get up and punch that man in the face. Um, and either one is fine, as long as you don't act out on the second. Um, but just, I think, just go with whatever, because go with whatever's happening within you and just see what God wants to do today. Is that cool? So I'll start with, um, I'll start with this poem sort of because uh, Steve just shared before, in essence, an apology from um, from us men to uh, the women of this room. And something for me, uh, sort of a series of poems that I did uh, a little while ago, um, 
essentially was the start of the poem, the, the sort of there's four poems in this series, and the start of it um, is I grew up a white man, I grew up a rich man, I grew up a Christian man, I grew up a man, and for each and every one of these I need to say I am sorry. And then each poem is the sort of the four parts, the Christian, the white, the rich, and the, and the masculine part. And so I thought I'd love to share on the, on the back of what Steve was saying before, share this masculine confession is what I call it. For the masculine part of me, the part that built the female prisons that I see and to this day still holds a key, I, well, I want to say sorry. For where God spent years etching beauty into your face and your skin and your heart and your soul and your legs and your breasts, I took you and made you a thing, an object so thin. We took the centerpiece of creation and made her a centerfold, folding flesh onto glossy paper, folding sex into slavery, the skin that angels would only dream to be their own. We hung it out on meat hooks and bartered for your body. For 30 pieces of silver, I sold you to the cheapest bidder, just a replaceable object stacked at the back of the dime store opportunity shop. And for this, I am sorry. For you are a being that should be embraced. You are strength and you are grace. Arms should wrap around you, hold you tight, hold you this night when once as a little girl you dreamed of the beauty you would become and Papa stood there glowing with his daughter in his arms and yet I forgot these things and the world forgot these things and so you forgot these things that you are worth more than centerfolds of glossy paper, that you are worth more than any man could tell you that you are, that you walk tall with the dignity Dignity of a goddess. You are nothing less. You were born with hips to give birth to craft beauty in this earth. You weaned this world upon your breast and spoke life to her with every breath. You are the red-dressed girl who would twirl in the fields. You are the mother. You were the daughter. You were diamonds revealed. And yet the world told you that something was wrong and told you for so long that you began to believe it and do all that you could to hide from it with little food within your belly and masks upon your face. For too long we have looked past all this, and for this I am sorry. To the beauty losing virginity, to the man who stole your self-worth, to the mother who cannot love herself in fear of the shrinking mirror before you, for the insecurities we poured on you and the dignity we stripped from you, for the girl that I would mar with my eyes from afar till this boyhood scar from my pa would fade away. I thought you could make me feel like a man again, like more than just boys playing with toys, that I could be strong enough, tough enough, this enough, that enough, I would shrink you down, that I would feel tall. But you are worth so much more. You are worth so much more. And so we as men again say, we are sorry. Um, even maybe from that, maybe just sit around with, with your table for a second and just have a quick chat 
if anything came up for you with that. You don't have to go there if you don't want, if it's a bit touchy or whatever, but just have a quick chat. If What did you hear in that that stood out to you or what, what struck you from that? Go for it. All right, let's uh, bring it back in. Don't worry, you'll have more chance to chat through stuff as we go through this. So I thought uh, maybe the next the next poem that I could share with you guys is one that I actually wrote um, like two days ago for my mum. Yeah, because I thought I'd be nice and write her a, a poem for Mother's Day, and I filmed it last night and I uh, YouTubed it up to her today. Is it okay if I, I share this poem with you? This will be dedicated to the, the mothers in the room, a Mother's Day poem for you. It's totally new, never heard before. It's very exciting. Asides from the lady that I married, there is only one woman in this world who with one word of inquiry about my well-being can melt these strong bones. Where I have stood as tall as Flintstone, where my strong tower walls have held me high, her one word melts all pretense into a puddle on the floor. Tears shed like the ocean discovering herself as salt water. I never knew anyone could hold the, be- hold the ocean in their belly and still swallow more. For if girls are china teacups, then mothers, well, mothers are furnace-blazed teapots. They hold the world in their belly, brimming life water, spilling over edges, fired in their love till it's piping hot and steaming clouds, tea leaves taken from mountain tops, the spice of cashmere chai, the focus of chamomile, the peace of jasmine, the laughter of lemongrass, the calm of an earl grey and iced tea on a summer's day. So can you make me a tea again, Mama? I am a tea, Mama, poured from your belly, stirred with the words of a wise woman, infused inside prayers for your sons and sleepless nights for your daughters. Your belly brewed every spice and passion that lingers in these limbs, brewed these flavors for the world to drink. Mum, you took a little baby and in your arms you shaped a boy. You took a boy and in your hands there stood a lanky, freckled, pimpled redhead. You took a teen and let him go become a man. And you take still now this man in your arms and in those moments I remember that my mum, she holds us close to her heart, but never too close to her chest. She pulled back bowstrings and flew arrows into night skies all the world wide and took the time to see where they would land, even if they didn't hit the bullseye she had prescribed. Even when they got lost in the dazzling blue and forgot the reason they flew, they blew too far to the left, caught in the winds of regret, soaked by the rains of distress, kissed by the seduction of a dress. But my mum, she knew how to change those winds, how to dry soaked feathers, how to hold arrows in open hands hands, how to teach wood to fly, how bowstrings never held their shape, how to get off the shelf, how to forgive oneself when missing the mark, when flying too high, when striking the ground, when lost in the sound of a million voices and too many choices. Oh, the mother and her courage. Oh, the daughter who births a child. Oh, the archer and her bow. Oh, the brewer and her tea. I see myself in you, mum. 
I stand mirror-like before you and pray to God that you would be proud of your little man and the big heart that you gave him. You think my mum will like it? I hope she does. Hoping for a tear or two from her. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, sort of the, the two images that I've used in there, one is um, the tea-brewing mother, um, of the mother who holds the world and holds her kids, obviously to start with in her belly, um, but metaphorically in her belly, and, and infuses our lives with all that has made us us. There is two types of people in this room. There is mothers and there is those who have come from mothers. And, and that image is sort of all around how um, we are so shaped in beautiful and sometimes not beautiful ways by our mothers and by our parents in general. The second image that I use in there is of, of the arrow, my mum shooting arrows into the night sky. Um, I think there's even a I'm just remembering, there's even a, um, I think it's a psalm maybe that talks about um, children as, as arrows, is that right? Yeah, I forget which psalm it is. Um, but it's this, this whole idea that part of, and maybe we'll, we'll chat about this for a bit, um, part of being parents and part of being mothers and, and part of um, that whole journey is shaping a young child and then being willing to let them go, to fire them off into the night sky as an arrow. There's um, a, a quote I found the other day. It says this, when you grow up, your mother says, wear rubber gloves or you'll catch a cold. When you become an adult, you discover that you have the right to not wear gloves and to see, or not, and to see whether you catch a cold or not. I like that. I like that idea. The, the advice and the wisdom that we get from our mothers sometimes isn't adhered to as much as it could be. Um, but there's this really, I'll start, I want to start sort of talking about mothers and then move into um, sort of in general femininity and and parenting and us as children and growing up and that journey. So we'll just, we'll see where we get to. Um, Khalil Gibran, I don't know if anyone's heard of Khalil Gibran. He shares uh, in a book that he wrote called The Prophet. He was uh, one of the most famous mystic poets, philosophers from last century. He wrote a book called The Prophet. It's really famous. And he he says it like this. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls. For their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the, bone, you are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrows that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Again, that, that bow metaphor of 
being flung off into the world and this, this sense for um, the mothers in the room of, of how hard that is, um, of how hard that is, but also how necessary that is. There's this um, almost incredibly necessary journey that we all go on that is discovering who we are as different from who our mother and our father have been, who we are as different from our family is. And all of us are still in the process of that journey, whether we are um, a 15-year-old kid who is doing it by giving his parents the middle finger and running off and getting smashed at night or whatever it is, um, or whether we are 35, 40, 55, 60, we are still discovering ourselves as, as separate people from our parents. We're still working out what does my, my life look like and what does what my beliefs look like? What does is, what is my Christianity look like? Um, uh, I might, I'll share another poem with you that for me has one that sort of came out of that. It's, it's shaped a bit more around my father, but it's this idea that as we grow up, we have a table that we sit around and we learn from and we grow up in. But then part of the journey is actually challenging that table, discovering a God that's bigger than that table. Let me share this with you. It was 1982 on the day I was born. And the sun, well, it shone high on that day. It rode the waves of the ocean like a sailor going home. Or so I'd like to believe. And these first few years, well, they were a bit of a blur. My mind, like a sponge, soaked up life itself. My legs, like machine cogs, sank themselves into gear. My mouth spoke with tongues of angels before it learned to speak human. And in those days, my parents, well, they were like gods. Their words, divine truth, their rules, the commandments, their love, transcendent. And in those days, we'd sit around the kitchen table, listen to scripture from father, eating meatloaf from mother, like pilgrims asking questions of why. And that table, it became the pulpit of my father, where the lessons of life were expounded through the night and mum's dishes made their way into empty legs and dad's sermons echoed down the corridors of eager minds as we learned to see the world as dad saw it and came to know God as dad knew him. See, at that table, we drank orange and mango cordial. At that table, we talked report cards. At that table, we were told the name of God. At that table, we were baptized in his love. At that table, dad was never wrong. That table was built damn strong. (laughs) And yet, children grow up and teenagers can't settle and Mum and dad's answers didn't always fit or flow or dance where I felt they should. And so as a teen, I felt more like a child with no way to express the unwinding gold that danced in my soul and called me ever onward. And so that table was pushed back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until crack. See, at the table, we learnt the laws and ate the rules and drank the doctrines, but they were never enough for me. That table that held all the answers, all the answers for my dad, for my mum. My dad who too once cracked open his own father's table and spent years constructing the one we now sit around. And so in those days of the cracked table, I was like the whisper trying to find a voice. Like the, the child who treks the Himalayas in their own backyard, like the ant pondering the elephant. 
asking questions that would stop the world and demand that someone pay attention as we scream our tantrums at this God that doesn't fit into what he's meant to and our frail bodies and frail minds that trick us into thinking we are far smarter and so much larger than any doubt that would invade us and trick us into an eternity of torment in the arms of our certitudes and certainties, making assumptions that become doctrines and theologies embedded in that wooden table that may as well have been stone. We scream our tantrums at this God. But now I see the God that I screamed at looked a whole lot more like my dad and just a little like me. You see, this table could not fit the one that it was dedicated to. Could not contain the God that was always sneaking out from underneath cups of coffee and playing in sugar bowls of jelly and tipping over glasses and smashing rules and breaking dogmas. This God was never a good dinner guest. And so in those days when I dined with this God, well, my parents' table, it split in two. Cracking down its spine, splintering dreams in my mind of questions without answers and the paradoxes of a God that I could not see and yet could taste. And this God that I met was like parched lips tasting mountain water, like running hands through golden fields, like Palestinian peace meals, like pouring wine through this heart, like taking every piece of that table apart. And so the table is gone, but a new one has arrived. And the mystery that I have found is in the hole that is left by its absence. And the God that I have met is still the God of my father yet. Yet now he looks nothing like him and way too much like me. Thank you. So um, maybe again, have a bit of a chat about that one. Did you... Did you hear your own story in that? Um, often when I, when I share that poem, people come up to me and are like, you were sitting at the same table I did as a kid. Um, but we, we all have our tables. We all, whether they were Christian tables or, um, or non-Christian tables or whatever table that we sat around, some of them were really healthy, beautiful tables. Others were tables with a lot of anger and resentment and bitter words. But we all had our tables and they all shaped us those tables for my parents. So maybe, um, again, sit with the person next to you or around you and have another quick chat about what did you hear in that? What stood out from you in that? And did it reflect your story, being your story growing up? Or even now as maybe some of you who are parents, who are mothers or who are dads, who are seeing your own kids go on that journey. Just have a quick chat about that now. Yeah, I think there's, there's almost the two tensions here of one... Um, there's the tension for, for parents of the willingness to come open-handed um, and, and that kids naturally, as part of their development, go on this journey um, of, of challenging and questioning and experimenting. And it's, uh, I, I can't even imagine how hard that would be for a lot of parents to, to see that happen. Um, but it's actually really crucial. It's really crucial for a young person to go through that searching, struggling phase to come to their own faith to come and own their own, um, their own sense of who God is and, and for that to be theirs, not just their parents' faith, but to be theirs. Um, and, and then for the, for the kids as well, it's like um, for us as we grow up, our challenge is that we often just want to throw the whole thing out. 
Um, as you said, you destroyed your dad's table. Um, and sometimes that, that's so tempting to do and so easy to do. Um, I love, there's a guy named, um, where is this quote? It's one of my favorite quotes. Otto Neurath. What a name, Otto. Um, he says this, We are like sailors who on the open sea must reconstruct their ship, but are never able to start afresh from the bottom. Where a beam is taken away, a new one must at once be put there. And for this, the rest of the ship is used as support. In this way, by using the old beams and driftwood, the ship can be shaped entirely anew, but only by gradual reconstruction. I like that idea that we are on the open sea and there's no way to just bank our ships and, and stop life for a bit and reconstruct, but rather it's this process of I take this out here and I don't want to be like that, like my parent was or like my father was or mother was. I don't want to be that part. But as I take that out, I need something else in there. But I, I, I recognize that part. And so we go on this, I think all of us are in this continual journey and we need to be on this continual journey of developing our faith. Of, of relearning who we are, of relearning who God is. I think that's actually the Christian journey. That's, that's Christian growth and, and walking towards God is a willingness to come open-handed and not say, my table's the right table, darn it. I think, I think God is so much larger than our tables, than the tables of our parents and the little ones that we try and reconstruct and say, God is like this. This is how, this is how it's meant to be. And I think God wants to break out of that. A, a, um, a guy uh, named Meister Eckhart, um, he coined, he was a mystic from many, many years ago. He coined this term, God rid me of God. And I, I sort of, I like that idea. God rid of, of the sort of all the boxes that we put God into, the, the smallness that we make God. And I think God is far bigger than that. And as we come together around the table that is the church table. And as we come together around the table that is wider than that, that's where we learn and we grow and we struggle and we wrestle and how important that journey is. Is this all making sense? So I've just got a few more minutes left with you. Is it okay if I do another poem? Okay. Um, I might actually ask Josh. Josh, do you want to come up? Josh is a uh, we've, we've never done this before, but me and Josh are just going to collaborate now. And uh, Josh is going to do some a bit of improv stuff behind this poem that I'm about to do. And, you know, it could be an absolute disaster. And, and that's okay. What was that? Look, I didn't see that. Um, and, and that is totally okay if it is an absolute disaster. But um, this poem is sort of, um, I, I think it's shaped around that idea. It's, it's, it's focused on, on ladies being... Um, Mother's Day or Womanhood Day, I liked that. Um, it's focused on it's focused on ladies and this this thing that often we get into where we we get stuck as people. We get stuck in, in, as I said, in the small boxes that we put God in, but we get stuck in our lives in in the stuff that has happened to us, in what has been spoken over us, in in so many ways um, we get stuck. And this this poem is about um, it's called search, and it's and it's about this desire to this need to move on, to keep searching, to keep growing, to keep struggling and rest, wrestling and questioning. And if God is infinite, then it's almost like we are we are on the bottom of the ocean. What are those things that soak up water? What are they called? Sponge. 
You can tell I'm a poet who uses words all the time. We are like a sponge on the bottom of the ocean. We like, that's how immense God is and that's how much God can fill us. And yet we make God and we say that God is like this. But God is so much larger, so much larger. His love so much greater. And so let's go searching for that and not be constricted by what has happened, by what has been spoken over us. Do you want to kick it off and I'll come in? What do you reckon? They say that a girl that walks the edges of this world will find herself if she looks for long enough. But to see the beauty of what will be, she must turn her face away from what was. Unravel yesterdays and the ways these ropes would wrap around her and the chains that bound her, familiar city streets that held her. As a baby become a child and a child become a lady, but maybe this cityscape has held you for far too long. So wriggle your toes a little friend and they'll crack the clay that binds your ankles and stretch your fingers out another time and they'll point you in the right direction. Move your limbs one by one till you no longer remember taking that first step. And do not look back with longing, for your longing should always face the direction your feet are pointing. Be sure that I still see sweet dreams of melodies play through your head. And if you took just one note of this song and laid it out on the ground before you, then it would be a path through the mountains where no one dares to cross. And at the top of the mountain, you'll find a temple there where the air that grows thin and the monks that gather will cut the wisdom from their hair and braid it through your own. But do not stay there, friend, as tempting as it may be. For in the valleys beyond, your frozen arteries will be thawed under the summer sun of promises come. And beyond the valleys lies the desert, and beyond the desert lies the ocean, and beyond the ocean you'll find what it is you are looking for. So break free now, my lady, and search the edges till you find it. Swing wide the narrow gate and walk fast the narrow path. Slip flowers into the spokes on your bicycle wheel. Hike up the edging of your skirt and run the wind till the landscape around you does not remind you of home. Let your pen write this journey for you. For they say that a girl that walks the edges of this world will find herself if she looks for long enough. And I see the journey has been long, the ground beneath your feet never ending. The spatters and splatters upon your faded dress show you as the pilgrim you have become. So I wish that I could find a stallion for you. For I see the limp in your leg, your tattered skirts now torn around the edges, and I know that if I could place you on a steed, then your journey would ease. But you'll never get there in the end, my friend. So I'll let this old horse run on ahead and find his own way through. But as for you, as that slow wind wraps its finger around you, as that desert sand finds its way into the joints between bone and sinew, may you not turn your head back to whence you came. For it is far better to walk this world blind than to fall back to sleep. 
So run now, my friend, into the open arms of your history. And run now, my friend, into the open arms of your future. And run now, my friend, through the forests, through the deserts, through the ocean. And as that slow wind wraps itself around you, would you know that you are free? Would you know that you walk a new path, a larger path? Would you know that there is a path that goes before you? So open your heart. Open your life. Open your words. Open your mind. Open your God. May he show you that sometimes in this new place, the sky may be gray. But every day, somewhere in this world, that sky is always orange and yellow and purple and gold. So let's chase sunsets together like we've never seen them before. If we catch enough of them, maybe the grey skies don't matter so much anymore. So walk the path. Walk the forest. Stumble through the desert. Walk the mountain. And sail the ocean. And when you come to that final corner, walk around its edges come home into the open arms of yourself and a God who looks down on you and says my good and faithful daughter you have arrived you have arrived and they say that a girl who walks the edges of this world will find herself if she looks for long enough. Gosh. That was good. We should do that more often. I'll uh, pack you in my bag and take you to New York with me. So guys, hopefully um, my, my desire from today is that something would have grabbed you. Um, something that God wanted to speak into you about where you were at, both guys and girls in this room, about where you were at and, and where you're moving forward. Um, so maybe I'll, I might pray for us to finish off. Is that cool? And then um, if you want, I will just before I pray, I'll just do a quick merch plug. Um, uh, this is my, um, I'll do this because they're, they're both really new and I'm really excited about them. Uh, but this is my spoken word album, which is my poetry backed by uh, music, um, which is $15, which you're more than welcome to get. Um, and this is a, a book that I've just released called uh, With You Know Publishing, if people know Urban Neighbors of Hope. Um, they're publishing, um, it's called Beyond Rhetoric, Writings in the Tradition of Khalil Gibran, who was the, the guy who I quoted before. Um, and... 
and it's essentially it's a modern day fable about a young boy who meets uh, uh, an old homeless man and the wisdom that that man shares with him. Um, I was really stoked. Uh, Richard Raw, that some of you may know or have heard of, um, was able to do the forward on it, which I was very stoked about. He's been a hero of mine for many years. So um, come and get this if you like. It's basically a poetic verse uh, novel, a modern day fable. Uh, they're both $15. I'll stand up the back later and you can get them if you want. But uh, let me pray for us, eh? Hey? Yeah, God, you, you know, you know me, God. You know that the, my prayer is always that the words that I speak would, would uh, get under people's skin, would not let them rest, would move them forward into who you are creating them to be, would move them forward out of some of the traps, some of the chains, some of the words that have been spoken over our lives. God, I, I pray that these words would edge people on that journey, the journey of discovering how large you are, God, how massive you are, how infinite you are, the, the depth of your love for us. God, we do honour the ladies in this room, the daughters of Eve, God, we thank you for your beautiful creation that is there. And may you give us, gentlemen, the wisdom and the love to journey alongside them in the best way that we can. And for them, God, may you instill in them the depth of your love. That you look at each and that you, God, whoever was talking about honour before, you are so honoured by these girls that you have made. May we honour them with our lives. So God, I thank you for the mothers and I thank you for the females in this room and I thank you for how huge you are. We choose to surrender ourselves to you once again today. Shape us. Help us to crack our, our tables our parents' tables and our own help us to never, never settle, to always be discovering you again and again and again. In your son's name, amen. Thank you very much for having me here today, guys.